0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. First and Last by Hilaire Belloc. Chapter 30. The Great Sight. All night we had slept on straw in a high barn. The wood of its beams was very old, and the tiles upon the roof were green with age. But there hung from beam to beam, fantastically, a wire caught by nails, and here and there from this wire hung an electric light bulb. It was a symbol of the time and the place and the people. There was no local law to forbid such a thing, or if there was, no one dreamt of obeying it. Just in the first dawn of that September day we went out my companion and I, at guesswork, to hunt in the most amusing kind of hunting, which is the hunting of an army. The lane led through one of those lovely ravines at Picardy, which travellers never know, for they only see the plains, and in a little while we thought it wise to strike up the steep bank from the valley to the bare plateau above. But it was all at random and all guesswork, only we wisely thought that we were nearing the beginnings of things, and that on the bare fields of the high flat we should have a greater horizon and a better chance of catching any indications of men or arms when we had reached the height the sun had long risen but as yet gave no shining and there were no shadows for a delicate mist hung about all the landscape though immediately above us the sky was faintly blue it was the weirdest of sensations to go for mile after mile over that vast plain to know that it was cut in a regular series by parallel ravines, which, in all that extended view, we could not guess at, to see up to the limits of the plateau the spires of the villages and the groups of trees about them, and to know that, somewhere in all this, there lay concealed a corps d'armée, and not to see or hear a soul. The only human being that we saw was a man driving a heavy farm-cart very slowly up a sideway, just as we came into the great road, which has shot dead across this country in one line ever since the Romans built it. As we went along that road, leaving the fields, we passed by many men indeed, and many houses, all in movement with the early morning, and the chalk numbers on the doors, and here and there an empty tin of polishing paste, or an order scrawled on paper and tacked to a wall, betrayed the passage of soldiers, But of the army, there was nothing at all. Scouting on foot, for that was what it was, is a desperate business, and that especially if you have nothing to tell whether you will get in touch in five or ten or twenty miles. It was nine o'clock before a clatter of horses' hooves came up the road behind us. At first, my companion and I wondered whether it were the first riders of the Dragoons or Curiosers. In that case, the advance was from behind us. But very soon, as the sound grew clearer, we heard how few they were, and then there came into view, trotting rapidly, a small escort and two officers with the umpire's badges. So there was nothing doing, but when half a mile ahead of us on the road they turned off to the left over Plough, we knew that that was the way we must follow, too. Before we came to the turning-place, before we left the road to take to the fields on the left there came from far off and on our right the sound of a gun it was my companion who heard it first we strained to hear it again twice we thought we had caught it and then again we doubted it is not so easily recognizable a sound as you might think in those great plains cut by islands of high trees and steadying walls The little seventy-five gun lying low makes a different sound altogether at a distance from the old piece of ninety. At any rate, there was here no doubt that there were guns, to the right and in front of us, and the umpire had gone to the left. We were getting towards the thick and we had only to go straight on to find out where the front was. Just as we had so decided and were still pursuing the high road, there came not half a mile away and again to our right in a valley below us that curious sound which is like nothing at all unless it be the dumping of flints out of a cart rifle fire it cracked and tore in stretches and then there were little gaps of silence like the gaps in signalling and then it cracked and tore in stretches again and then fitfully one individual shot and then another would be heard and much further off, with little sounds like snaps, the replies began from the hillside beyond the stream. So far, so good. Here was contact in the valley below us, and the guns, some way behind and far off northwards, had opened. So we got the hang of it instantly. The front was a sort of crescent lying roughly north and south, and roughly parallel to the great road, and the real or feigned mass of the advance was on the extreme left of that front, We were in it now and that anxious and wearing business in all hunting finding was over but we had been on foot six mortal hours before coming across our luck and more than half the soldiers day was over these men had been afoot since three and certain units on the left had already marched over twenty miles after that coming in touch with our business not only did everything become plain but the numbers we met, and what I have called the thick of things, fed us with interest. We passed half the 38th going down the road singing, to extend the line, and in a large village we came to the other half slouching about in the traditional fashion of the service. They had been waiting for an hour. With them, and lined up all along the village street, was one battery, with the drivers dismounted, and all that body were at ease. There were men sitting on the doorstep of the houses, and men trotting to the canteen wagon or to the village shops to buy food, and there were men reading papers which a pedlar had brought round. Mud and dust had splashed them all. Upon some there was a look of great fatigue. They were of all shapes and sizes, and altogether it was the sort of sight you would not see in any other service in the world. It was the sort of sight which so disgusted the Emperor Joseph when he made his little tour. To spy out the land before the revolutionary wars. It was the sort of sight which made Massenbach before Grand Prix marvel whether the French forces were soldiers at all, and the sort of sight which made Valmy inexplicable to the King of Prussia and his staff. It was the sort of sight which eighteen months later still convinced MAC in Tournai that the Duke of York's plan was a plan of annihilation. It is a trap for judgment is the French service. So they lounged about, and bought bread, and shifted their packs, and so the little drivers stood by their horses, and so they all waited and slouched, until there came not a man with a bugle, nor anything with the slightest savor of drama, but a little fellow running along, thumping in his loose leather leggings, who went up to a major of artillery, and saluted, and immediately afterwards the major put his hand up, and then down a village street. From a point which we could not see came a whistle, and the whole of that mass of men began to swarm. The grey-blue coats of the line swung round the corner of the village street. They had yet a few miles before them. Anything more rapid or less in step it would be difficult to conceive. The guns were off at right angle down to the main road, making a prodigious clatter, and at the same time appeared two parties, one of which it was easy to understand, the other not. They were both parties of sappers. The one party had a great roll of wire on a drum, and as quick as you could think, they were unreeling it, and as they unreeled it, fastening it to eaves, overhanging branches, and to corners of walls, stretching it out forward. It was the field telephone. The other party came along carrying great beams upon their shoulders. But what they were to do with these beams, we did not know we followed the tail of the line down into the valley and all that morning long and passed the food-time at midday, and so till the sun declined in the afternoon we went with the thirty-eighth in its gradual success from crest to crest and still the thirty-eighth slouched by companies and mile after mile with checks and halts and it never seemed to get either less or more tired the men had had twelve hours of it when they came at last and we after them on to the critical position They had carried together with all the line to the left and to the right of them a string of villages which crowned the crest of a further plateau and over this further plateau they were advancing against the main body of the resistance the other army corps which was set up against ours to simulate an enemy a railway line ran here across the rolling hedgeless fields and just at the point where my companion and i struck it there was a dip in the land and a high embankment which hid the plain beyond. But from that plain beyond one heard the separate fire of the advancing line in its scattered order. We climbed the embankment, and from its ridge we saw over two miles or more of stubble, the little creeping bunches of the attack. What was resisting, or where it lay, one could only guess. Some hundreds of yards before us to the east, with the sloping sun full on it, a line of thicket, One scattered wood and then another, an imperceptible lifting of the earth here and there, marked the opposing fire-line. Two pom-poms could be spotted exactly, for the flashes were clear enough through the underwood, and still the tide of advancing continued to flow, and the little groups came up and fed it, one after another and another, in the centre where we were and far away to the north and right away to the south, The countryside was alive with it. The action was beginning to take on something of that final movement and decision which makes the climax of maneuvers look so great a game. But in a little while that general creeping forward was checked. There were orders coming from the umpires, and a sort of lull fell over each position held. My companion said to me, Let us go forward now over the intervening zone and in among Picard's men, and get well behind their line and see whether there is a rally or whether before the end of this day they begin to fall back again so we did walking a mile or so until we had long passed their outposts and were behind their forward lines and standing there upon a little eminence near wood we turned and looked over what we had come westwards towards the sun which was now not far from its setting then it was that we saw the last of the great sight the level light, mellow and already reddening, illumined all that plain strangely, and with the absolute stillness of the air contrasted the opening of the guns, which had been brought up to support the renewal of the attack. We saw the isolated woods standing up like islands with low steep cliffs, dotted in a sea of stubble for miles and miles, and first from the cover of one and then from another, the advance, perpetually piercing and deploying. As we so watched, there buzzed high above us like a great hornet of high plane circling well within our lines, beyond attack from the advance, but overlooking all they concealed behind it. In a few minutes a great blear up monoplane like the hawk followed, and yet further inwards the two great birds shot round in an arc, parallel to the firing line and well behind it, and in a few minutes, that seemed seconds, they were dots to the south, and then lost in the air. And perpetually, as the sun declined, Picard's men were falling back north and south of us, and before us, and the advance continued. Group by group we saw it piercing this hedge, that woodland, now occupying a nearer and a nearer roll of land. It was the greatest thing imaginable, this enormous sweep of men, the dead silence of the air, and the comparatively slight contrast of the ceaseless pattering rifle-fire and the slight intermittent accompaniment of the advancing batteries, until the sun set, and all this human business slackened. Then for the first time one heard bugles, which were a command to cease the game. I would not have missed that day, nor lose the memories of it for anything in the world. The End of Chapter 30